1: Welcome everybody to uh, Log Talk Radio The Catch Uh, It's Tuesday night again And uh, we are Still talking uh, We're talking a lot about Jesus right now because We're focusing um, On the red letters uh, In the Bible There are versions back in the Turn of the 20th century Someone came up with an idea Of printing Bibles with all of Jesus' words in red. And it kind of caught on. And even today, there are still uh, versions you can get of the, of the Bible where the, in the New Testament, you'll find uh, the letters of Jesus in red. And uh, you can even select them if you're on an online Bible. And uh, uh, once you start to see this, it, it's, really, it's really something that you start to gravitate for, towards. You like it. it uh, it's like, okay, G, it's Jesus set off. And, and, of course, we all feel so much like Jesus is the most important part of our faith. It's, he is the reason behind everything. He is the fulcrum of the Bible. Everything centers around him. Our, our dates are centered around him. So, you know, it, just to, to, to set his words off seems like a natural thing to do. And, uh, but uh, one thing we've noticed over the years is that uh, when we focus especially on Jesus, we seem to find some things different than when we take all of the scriptures necessarily. And so that's what we've been dealing with um, in the last few weeks. What, what does Christianity look like if we look strictly through the words of Jesus, the eyes of Jesus, uh, showing us uh, ourselves and showing us the world around us? Now, we've had various people who have come on our show to help us do this. And uh, tonight will be no exception. Tonight we are uh, very privileged to have Dr. Jerry Tankersley, pastor of Laguna Presbyterian Church. Uh, And he has been the pastor there for 46 years, which I I didn't know pastors could be pastors for that long and uh, in one place. And, so he is retiring this year. We're lucky to have him on our show. We're going to talk about Jesus tonight with with Jerry Tankersley. Jerry, welcome to Block Talk Radio.
0: Thank you, John. I'm happy to be with you. <laughs>
1: you know, I I have to ask you before I ask you anything uh, because uh, we've been listening um, to your. To your sermons um, uh, because uh, uh, a lot of our listeners actually know about um, Arnold and we've told his story here a number of times and those who are listening who know Arnold uh, um, Arnold's had a special connection with Jerry and and Jerry's been to the house here a few times and and uh, Jerry baptized uh, Arnold and, and so Arnold is very excited about this meeting tonight, and uh, we'll, we'll we'll be listening to it to, tomorrow, um, and he'll be he'll be hearing it. But uh, uh, he's he's very excited that you are involved here, and um, uh, I I uh, when I was listening early on, Jerry, when you're talking about your your retirement. You mentioned this 46 years, and that it took 46 years to build the temple in Jerusalem, and um, that seemed like a, a fitting thing. 46 years um, for you to to build a, a church in Laguna Beach, and uh, uh, did was that just a coincidence, or when you found that
0: was 46 years, you figured this was time to retire. Well, John, uh, it's been a great blessing in my life to be the pastor of Laguna Presbyterian Church for all these years. I didn't exactly plan it that way, but God has kept me here. And uh, um, when I came here, what I really wanted to do was to teach and to preach the scriptures of the Old and New Testaments, to be a witness to Jesus Christ, and so that's what I tried to do, and very slowly across the years, a wonderful congregation has come into being, and uh, we have uh, rebuilt uh, our our major sanctuary building in the last 15 years, and uh, I'm just grateful for all of these years, and uh, um, this this church has a great future ahead of it. So um, yeah. I'm glad that you I'm glad that you are. Uh, interested in Jesus and uh and in the scriptures both old and new testaments. Yeah. It's been a major focus of yeah, my you... life in ministry. And I have oh, been delighted to, to uh, get to know Arnold and uh um honored to have baptized him to write in his home. Yeah. yeah, that's amazing. Um so uh
1: I'm, I just want to thank you especially for being willing to come on and, and spend a little time with us tonight talking about uh, the red letters uh, of the New Testament. And uh, so I want to jump right in to this subject because there's there's one, one particular question I've been trying to get at all along, and I think tonight I finally
0: uh,
1: got to see what it is that that I that I want to ask, and um, I'll be able to ask you this and our guest next week the same thing. And uh, that is an observation I've made that that uh, the the red letters have kind of come into uh, real interest and popularity as of late, at least in the last ten years. Um, Tony Campolo, uh, sociologist at Eastern Christian. Uh, uh, university in uh, in Philadelphia, outside of Philadelphia, um, has formed along with uh, one of his associates an organization called Red Letter Christians, and these are believers who are championing uh, the, the the words of Jesus. and And it's interesting for me to note that uh, these particular this particular group of Red Letter Christians happens to be very socially conscious they're active in helping the poor and uh, homeless and the immigrant they are people involved and um, and then I I think back on the late 60s and early 70s Jerry when when I got my beginning and that's what we called you remember we call it now the Jesus movement and that was Mm. a time that was all about Jesus and we really? were revolutionaries. We we called ourselves They called us Jesus Creeks. We were revolutionaries. We were radicals. I'm I'm trying to get at something here that maybe you can help us. Um, when when we focus on Jesus, it seems like we end up being radical and 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 revolutionary. And and, and it, it it seems to almost give us a version of Christianity that. That that really cares about people and and uh, jumps in and gets involved with people's lives. Why do you do you think there might be a reason for that? When we when we focus on the uh, the words of Jesus, we end up um, getting a radical kind of Christianity.
0: Well, uh, John, if you remember the Gospel of Luke, uh, after Jesus had been baptized and uh, He heard the Father's voice, this is my beloved Son, whom I'm well pleased. Uh, He was uh, guided or driven by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the evil one. He came out of that uh, experience having, uh, you know, sustained his own identity uh, by quoting Scripture. And uh, then he, he began his public ministry in his hometown synagogue in Nazareth, and on the Sabbath day, he was invited to read uh, perhaps the lectionary text for the day uh, that was from Isaiah 61. And uh, he read it, and it goes like this, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he's anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim release to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and then he rolled the scroll up gave it to the attendant and said today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing Mm. well this is one of the great sermon songs of Isaiah Mm -hmm. and uh, Jesus was saying you know I am Israel's Messiah I have been anointed this is God's mission uh, through me and you could say this is a radical revolutionary message but it was in many ways a summation of of God's mission that is revealed throughout the Old Testament, and especially it comes to fulfillment in Jesus, uh, the Anointed One. You think about it, uh, to proclaim, uh, to bring good news to the poor. Who are the poor? Well, in Mm. that time, it was the people who were economically poor. Matthew Mm -hmm. has it, uh, the poor in spirit, but good news to the poor? What is that? Uh, released uh, to the captives who are the captives you can say well we're all captive to the powers of sin and death but we're captive in the human condition to all kinds of forces recovery sight to the blind you know opening eyes opening minds letting the oppressed go free and then proclaiming this year of the lord's favor the year of jubilee which was a year of new beginnings in which uh, debts were cancelled slaves were set free properties uh, were, were restored and I mean, this is a what what politicians in our time might call a revolutionary agenda. Um, and this has wow. to be one of the great red-letter texts in in the gospel. Mm-hmm. And if you followed, this text was programmatic for the rest of the Gospel of John. You see Jesus going about preaching the good news, the gospel of the kingdom, the reign and the rule of God is broken in, preaching the message of forgiveness, uh, of of lifting people's spirits. Of, of setting people free, of opening eyes, mm. and um, letting people, uh, you know, liberating people. I mean, those who would be advocates of the theology of liberation read a text like this and say, yeah, this is exactly what God has been doing, is doing, and, um, you know, a new beginning is coming and a new creation in which people are set free and people do see, and people are healed and made whole, and uh, are in right relationship with God. Uh, that's a that is a as revolutionary a message as you could hear from any place in the world. And I think it's what makes Jesus wow. so attractive. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow. I, I I'm I don't know, but I'm
1: ready to sign up or, or close in prayer or something. <laughs> oh, that's great. Um, you you uh, I, I'm I'm so glad you brought up that that Isaiah passage. Um, and, uh, I I'll be delving into that some more in the future, but, uh, thanks for reminding us of that. Boy, it is, it is a, a, a revolutionary message. Um, what, what are, uh, are the words of Jesus sometimes hard for, for us to hear and, um, Let's think about us today, or well, even during his day, if you want to. But what, what was hard about the words of Jesus,
0: would you say? Well, his, his message was the same message, in many ways, as John the Baptist. He called people to open their eyes and their ears their minds to see that the kingdom of heaven was at hand. And he invited people to repent, to turn from their sins, to get right with God, and mm-hmm. to live new lives. Uh, so, uh, this is a hard teaching. And along the way, he said hmm. to his disciples, if you're going to follow me, you have to be willing to take up your cross and follow me. You have to die to yourself in order to live. You try to save your life, you'll lose it. That's not exactly the message that comes to uh, to us through popular yeah. Christianity. Yeah, But it is. Yeah. it is a message that claims... The totality of our lives. These are hard. hard. These
1: really are. Yeah, they're hard words for us to hear today, aren't they? And I'm wondering, sometimes they're hard words to even know what they mean to our lives because we're just, you know, we're so privileged in many ways. We're not, some of us are suffering due to health issues maybe, but we don't have a, a lot of hardship um, compared to, you know, uh, uh, other other people, or maybe perhaps uh, the poor when Jesus was here. But uh, what, what do these words mean to us when we're going to, you know, lose our lives for
0: for His sake, um, well, our cross, and, Jesus. and follow Him? What it means yeah. to yeah. to uh, to die that. Die to sin, to die to all that's self-centered. It means to become a person for others. Uh, it, mm. it 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 requires me to see people around me, to relate to people, to en- to engage people, to to love people. So mm. I, you know, Jesus's teachings are um the are their call to uh, to discipleship and to a costly discipleship this is not as one theologian said this is not cheap grace this is mm. a call to to become a, a loving gracious person in uh, loving God with the totality mm. of your being and your neighbor as yourself so that's that's a pretty mm. radical uh, message yeah yeah I'll say um,
1: uh, what uh, what are some of your what are some of your favorite words of Jesus? I know you you just gave us that incredible scene in the temple when he opened the scriptures. Um, what else are some of your your favorite? Well, favorites? you know
0: I I um, love the way Luke. Uh, Tells the resurrection story in Luke 24. You know, he's the only one that tells the story about uh, the stranger who joined the two, probably a couple, on Easter Sunday afternoon on their way from Jerusalem to Emmaus, are joined by this stranger, and uh, he asks, "What are you talking about?" And they say, "Well, are, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who does not know the things about Jesus?" And the stranger asks, "What things?" And so they told the basic facts of what had happened that the one that they thought was uh, Israel's Messiah and the source of their hope uh, had been betrayed and uh, arrested convicted uh, and um, executed uh, by the Romans on a cross and the report was that it, uh, he had been uh, he was alive again he had been raised from the dead and uh, the The stranger responded to this by interpreting to uh, these two disciples all the things about Jesus out of uh, the Law of Moses, out of the Prophets, and the Psalms, showing how Jesus was the fulfillment of the whole Old Testament revelation. And when they finally arrived home, they invited him to stay uh, in their home for the evening, and uh, The stranger became the host at the table, and in the process of breaking the bread and blessing it, their eyes were open, and they recognized that it was the living Jesus Christ alive on Easter Sunday. And uh, Mm. they said, were not our hearts burning within us as he interpreted the scriptures to us on the road? As he opened the scriptures, he was opening their minds to receive the message that Christ was alive and um, so I I love those words and uh, these two Mm. ran back to Jerusalem to the upper room they reported to the other disciples who were behind locked doors and uh, before they knew it uh, the resurrected Jesus was standing in their midst showing them his body his wounds eating fish with them and uh, Mm. opening the scriptures to them in order that they might understand uh, the disciples really had had been neutral eyewitnesses. They had seen and heard and not really understood, and they didn't know what to make of all of this that had happened to Jesus. But as he interpreted the scriptures to them, um, their, their understanding um, came alive. And uh, this was wow. the foundation of confidence that they had for doing the mission of Christ, for being witnesses to the ends of the earth. Wow. yeah what wouldn't it wouldn't you have get what would you have given you know
1: to be a part of that that walk that bible study <laughs> with me, well the me, thing me is we're invited to,
0: we're invited to be on that walk mm-hmm. uh, you know, mm-hmm. as we read the scriptures i mean i think luke wrote his gospel and the acts of the apostles uh, to invite us to a long journey uh, with jesus mm-hmm. empowered by the holy spirit to bear witness to the Jesus whom we have come to see and to know and to understand and to love. Mm. So uh, these, uh, this this is a text not just for something out of the past for for people in the first century to read, but uh, we read this today and our own eyes are opened and our minds are opened. But it has to do with the opening of Scripture also, which is a witness to the the power of of the Word of God. Oh, that's great uh jerry
1: there's there's something what sets off the words of jesus i mean some uh sometimes I hear people even talking about Jesus and comparing his words to paul's words in the epistles and i I guess down through church history there there have been even some some arguments in terms of you know, which of these scriptures are more important or who do we pay most attention to are, do you know anything about that discussion and how do you see Jesus as being different than Paul and uh, why do we, do we need, do we need them both?
0: Um, uh, I think we are given them both uh, in the canon of scripture Uh, and um, well, you know, the, the, the scriptures of the New Testament communicate very clearly that Jesus was the incarnate Son of God. Uh he was fully human, fully God. He was Jesus of Nazareth. He had a mother named Mary and a stepfather named Joseph. And um so you could say Jesus was absolutely unique as uh, the the Word of God was incarnate in him. Uh c- to come to know him, to see him was to come to the place where one could see that God was present in the face of Jesus, uh, the, mm. the face of God was, was seen. Now, Paul, um, he was, say, the last of the apostles, as he identifies himself in First Corinthians 15. Now, he was encountered by the resurrected Lord on the road to Damascus. He saw and he heard, he was blinded, and he became a great interpreter of Jesus. So I think Paul would say to you, you know, Christ is preeminent in all things. And, I, you mm. know, my, the goal of my life is to know him and to enter into the fullness of his life and to be a faithful interpreter of the word that has become incarnate in Jesus. So um, Paul's important. Mm. He speaks with apostolic authority. Uh, he's a faithful interpreter of Jesus. Uh, and each of the apostles, you know, there's an apostle that stands behind each of the gospels. With Mark, it was probably Peter. Matthew, you know, he's interested in interpreting Jesus as the fulfillment of Old Testament scripture for a Jewish audience. Luke, uh, he's he's writing for, you know, he's he's you know, he's the interpreter not only of Jesus but also of Paul. And the mission of God through Paul, and the mission of the church. So, I mean, there has been an effort in, in uh, modern biblical scholarship to drive a wedge between Jesus and Paul. I don't believe you mm. can do that. I think uh, Paul was a faithful interpreter. As you read uh, his letters, uh, listen to, to Paul preach, and he has one message: he wants to know Christ, and he wants to proclaim mm. the cross uh and uh he he is a he's a follower of Jesus and if if he says anything that's contradictory of Jesus i think Paul would be mm-hmm. he's ready to be corrected yeah yeah
1: so oh that's great so paul is basically pointing us to Jesus all absolutely the time. and
0: as e- as each of the apostles were they they mm-hmm. they had one central vision for their lives they wanted to bear witness to the life death and resurrection of Jesus and and to to let the world know that he was alive and that through his death God had made atonement for the sins of the world and reconciled the world to himself and they, they wanted to call all people to be reconciled to God then and to enter into to become incorporated into the body of Christ the church of which Christ was the head uh Jesus loved to
1: speak um in parables why did, Why did he do that
0: Jerry Well, there are some texts that make it appear that he spoke in parables to confuse people to make it himself difficult to understand. I don't think that was the case. If you read his parables, he tells simple stories right out of life. He used parables as figures of speech to communicate the truth. You know, the parable of the sower, you know, the sower goes out, sows the word of God, and, and different responses to the seeds of the kingdom. Some of the seeds, you know, they, they land on good soil, and they a plant springs up and uh, bears fruit. Other other soils don't have, uh, they're not, you know, they're full of rocks or they're weeds. They choke out the good seeds Some seeds fall on the hard ground and Satan comes like the birds do and pick up the seeds. And there's so there's no fruit. There's no plant. So I I think Jesus told stories uh, in order to bring the message of the kingdom of God uh, to his listeners in in the clearest, most powerful way. But like in all the teachings of Jesus, there were those who, who consciously distorted the teachings you look mm-hmm. at in Luke fifteen. There are three major parables there about the lost being found. Shepherd goes out oh, yeah. and, uh, mm-hmm. in search of the lost one, lost sheep, and when he finds it, he mm-hmm. brings it home rejoicing. And Jesus said, "This is what this what happens in heaven. And whenever one sinner repents, uh, all of heaven rejoices." And then there's the parable about the woman who lost her precious coin, and she swept her house clean to. Uh, until she found it, and then she invited all the neighborhood in to celebrate that this uh, this treasure of hers had been found. And this is what heaven is like, Jesus says, when when the lost are found. And then the famous parable, mm. the prodigal, the prodigal son in Luke 15, where the father had mm. two sons, one of which got lost, who was the prodigal, who went to the far country, um, after demanding his portion of the inheritance from the father, which the father gave him. And after he had wasted his inheritance, he came to himself and remembered that his father's hired hands had, had a better life than he was having. He he had sought freedom, but he, he ended up in slavery. So he made a decision hmm. to go home. And when he got home, he was totally surprised because the father saw him coming, ran out to meet him, put the ring of friendship on him, the, the royal robe, welcomed him back, not just as a hired servant, but as his restored son. This son of mine, who was mm. lost, has been found. He was dead. He's alive. Mm. And so they killed a the fatted calf and held a big party in the neighborhood. And the elder brother hated this. He said, you never gave a party for me like this. And uh, he says, when this, when this uh, son of yours came home, you gave this party. You never did this for me and my friends. And the father's response was, look, uh, when, this son, when this brother of yours came home, we had to rejoice. He was lost, but he's found. He was dead. He's alive to the family. Come on in. Welcome to the party. Don't stand outside the circle. Be a part of it. These are three parables that underline the central truth of the message of the kingdom, that uh, God came to in Christ to seek and to save the lost. And when the lost are found, all of heaven rejoices, and he invites us to that same joy.
1: Ah, uh-huh. oh wow, that's great. That's, that's the first time I've seen that um, put in context like that. All three together, it makes a lot of sense. Wow. And then, then, then you look at Jesus with the Pharisees. Now, there's a whole nother thing. Um, I, you know, Matthew 23, I think, is is a uh, yeah, uh, he had some of the harshest words you could imagine. I mean, uh, talk about being radical. Uh, he sure, he he sure had it in for these guys. Uh, why why was that? Why was he so harsh with the Pharisees?
0: Well, in just to reference Luke fifteen again, uh, it says that all now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, this fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. The Pharisees, they were a group of serious Bible students who were determined, after the Babylonian captivity of uh, the Jewish people, they were determined to keep the law of God, to keep themselves separate they were separated unto the law, and they'd built a fence around the law, and they were going to keep it down to its minute details. So they had been straining the net and swallowing the camel, if you will, and it had become extremely legalistic. And so they took offense at Jesus' freedom with the gracious love that he showed to people, to sinners, to prostitutes, to outcasts, to the poor. Um, these people didn't have the signs of election that the Pharisees thought that they did, uh, they they had uh, position, they had wealth, uh, they had religious standing, and um, they felt that if anything, they ought to be the ones who got the who got the blessings because they were God's darlings. So they didn't like Jesus because he moved amongst people that threatened them, and you know I, mm. what what I concluded is that you know God's grace can be really threatening to people who are trying to justify themselves, and and to try to keep the law mm. on the basis of of their own good works. Uh, Jesus extended grace to people, and uh, grace is intimidating. So he had some harsh wow. things to say. They uh, they 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 bound people in slavery uh, to uh, to legalistic principles that led people to think they could make themselves right with God. And the truth was, none of us can make ourselves right with God. God has to do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. And that is extend grace and mercy, accept us just as we are, forgive us of our sins, give us a new standing, set us in right relationship with God. And it's out of that grace, then, that we live our lives in gratitude for the good gifts of God. That's not legalistic. That's with thanksgiving and with gratitude, always with the awareness that we are sinners saved by grace. Wow. 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 That's beautiful.
1: Well, I have time. We only have time for one more question, Jerry. Um, if we did nothing but focus on the words of Jesus, what kind of people
0: would we be? Well, we'd be transformed people. We'd be kingdom people. Uh, we'd be people who live in the spirituality of the Sermon on the Mount, of the Beatitudes. We'd find ourselves living lives very different and. Uh, the world lives, uh, we would be claimed totally, we'd have our lives founded, built upon the firm foundation of the word of Christ, our lives would be filled with um, love for God and our neighbor as ourselves, and the world would be changed, so we need Jesus now more than ever before, wow, wow.
1: well, that the world sounds needs like a Jesus. pretty good idea. It sure, yes, <laughs> it sure does. It sure does. Jerry, this has been really rich. I, I thank you so much for uh, sharing from the wealth of your years and in the Word, and your love for God is so obvious. Um, thank you so much for uh, giving us a little bit of time to open up um, our understanding of Jesus some more. Thank you, Jerry. Well, God
0: bless you, John. Keep up the good work. Okay. Okay, sure will. Okay. Thank you. Goodbye. Bye bye. Well
1: Bye-bye. there you go folks. Uh that that was fun, huh? That was fantastic. Um boy what a what a rich perspective and what a beautiful picture of Grace and and uh, and Grace turned outward that we like to talk about here. Um that that was just uh, splendid. So, um, a special thanks to Jerry Tankersley for spending his time with us. Thank you for listening. Um, go back and listen to some of the other podcasts on on the Red Letters if you haven't yet. And we've got a couple more. By the way, next week we will have uh, Don Williams, and uh, Don Williams is one of my favorite people from. From the Jesus movement He's a brilliant guy He taught uh, He actually taught at Claremont uh, He taught New Testament And he taught uh, Letters of Paul at, at Claremont College And University To secular people and, and his classes were Packed Everybody wanted to come hear him speak um, Brilliant man Incredible walk with God He's next week We're going to hear what he says About red letter Christians So thank you everybody Keep on Sign up for the catch If you haven't Keep in touch with us Spread the word Get your friends to sign on And uh, find out what we're doing here Things are getting more and more exciting Because we've got more stuff uh, That we're doing uh, all the time got radio uh, music radio coming very soon we have uh, 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 this next this month we're going to be um, focusing on signing member partners you'll find out more about that so just stay tuned everybody because there's a lot happening here at the catch and we'd love to have you be a part of it so God bless you focus focus on the Word of Jesus that's right And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe.